Hello and welcome back to the Running Anthropologist podcast. We are so happy that you're with us today and joining us for the first time, Mark Bauman, having just come off his 50th Boston Marathon. That's 5-0. Really excited to have Mark on our show. He's also the founder of one of the oldest running stores, run-walk store in the United States called Bauman Running, just in Flint, Michigan, and uh, Flushing, actually, right outside of Flint. And he's going to be telling us a little bit about that, how he got started, how it's changed, and especially how marathon culture has changed in, t- in the tune of the Boston Marathon. So really excited to have him. In the second half of the show, we'll have Trish Trout talking about charity running and also Boston, fundraising, all the great things and running community and culture that are built from it. So without further ado, let's get started. Thank you. Uh, thank you again for, for being able to answer a few questions about your experience at Boston. And, uh, oh, my pleasure. Um, one of the main questions I wanted to ask you is uh, how, has, how has Boston Marathon changed over the years uh, since you started running? Well, when I first started running it, there were no aid station water stops along the way. Wow. Official ones. And... The only way you knew where you were at on the course was going through one of the towns along the way. There'd be a little triangle sign in the middle of the road that would say, like, 18.9 miles to go. Wow. And that's one of the parts. 16.2. Uh-huh. And that's one of the parts of the the city or one of the uh, communities that you go through. Right. As you went through the communities... And they actually, you know, if you look at the um, the splits along the way and the records, you know, who was the fastest halfway, who was the fastest different points. Well, at that time, it was recorded at those particular points. Wow. Okay. So it was the fastest at those points, you know, to give a gauge to see if they were on somebody's on record pace or not. Oh, that's interesting. Were were there any um, fans uh, cheering out on the street like there are now? Oh yeah, there were tons of fans then. Even it, I mean, it's Patriots Day, so that's a holiday. Oh, interesting. In Boston, and actually, at that you know the earlier years that I ran, there was not good police protection. Now there's snow pits and keeping people back. So some of the early years, especially on a good weather day people from both sides of the road and start crowding you in where you might only have room for three or four runners abreast. Oh, that's amazing. Huh. Your course race was smaller then, but still, you know, they would, you know, kind of crowd you in a little bit. Sure. And um, in in terms of the, the um, like, how many people were there, the cost and things like that, I'm sure it was much more affordable and a little bit easier for an amateur runner to, to jump into the, the mix. Yes. The, when I first started, if I recall correctly, I had to run, I said, a four-hour marathon. There was a time for a half marathon or a note from your coach. Oh, wow. And that's what I had my first year, a note from my coach. Oh, that's amazing! And um, back back then, were you um, were you involved in uh, the Flint the Flint community running? Uh, was there a lot going on with uh, in the Flint area then? There were a lot of uh, well, you know, for that time there were several events going on, and 
I wasn't really involved with them. I was a you know twenty year old college student then. Oh, okay. Uh, the crim didn't start until later, I'm sure. Right. The crim started in '77. Okay. I that was a year before Gasparilla. Oh wow, interesting. So for those of you that that don't know, um, uh, Mark Bauman also runs one of the oldest running stores in in the U.S. And uh, Bauman uh, Running and Walking Store um, there just uh, outside of Flint, Michigan. And um, he also goes on the road to expos. So if you're in the Tampa Bay area, you can find him every year at the Gasparilla Expo. Um, I'm sure along with lots of others that you go to. Yes, there are others, and Gasparilla is a great event. Yeah, it's one of I think one of the best running events in in the Tampa Bay area. And I know that the Crim is also probably one of the biggest in the Flint area that that you've been involved with for many years. Um, uh, could you maybe tell us a, a little bit about it, uh, or what kind of things you guys uh, do to to get ready for it? Well, the Crim, the Crim Festival races as a ten mile, eight k, five k runs and walks, a one mile race the night before. Oh, and similar to Gasparilla, the Crim does a ten mile with a five k afterwards, so that becomes a half marathon. I, I didn't. There, you know, there are dual events there also. I, I didn't connect those. When I was growing up, I think we always did the ten mile, and my mom and I would come down from a little bit further north and and run the crim. That was one of the biggest events in Michigan for for us. Yes, it still is. Yes, and the for several years, the ten mile was the only event. Just like most, it started out with one and then expanded to huh. others. Neat. Well, that, that's a neat opportunity for people that are in Michigan if they'd like to run a half marathon uh, distance. Um, yes. Uh, okay. And the you know the other big question that I had for you, Mark, is uh, uh, what what was the experience like? Um, you know, running your fiftieth and kind of the support that uh, people gave and that the Boston uh, Marathon gave. Um, how is it different than a than a just any other marathon for you? obviously pressure to finish uh-huh. the uh, 50th and to be in the official results you have to be finished within six hours of the time the last person crosses the starting line okay so you don't know ahead of time exactly what the time is but you know you have an idea and i had an injury going into it so i was concerned and did not do a lot of running the last six weeks beforehand so that you know caused a little bit of stress as well as having two brothers, fam- their families, two sisters, their families, my two sons, their wives and grandkids all there. <laughs> sure. You know, so that, that put a little extra pressure on too. <laughs> but, but it happened, so that's all good. Yeah, you made it with flying colors. Well done. Um as as we kind of finish up here, I um, you know one of the questions I'm sure a lot of people are curious about is how how has uh, you know running stores or the running uh, industry changed uh, since you started? Uh, I, I know you started out of your car and then in a room in your house before you know the first running store was was uh, was finally a reality there. Yeah, it's all changed it's become you know more technology involved uh, you know when I first started there was there was a very slim selection of running shoes and nobody talked pronation supination at the time 
now it's very specialized in, you know, a person wants to get or needs to get fit with a proper shoe for their foot to help with injuries and so they get uh, enough mileage out of their shoes. Sure. And, uh, you know, from a personal perspective, I want to thank you, Mark, for all of those years of fitting me with proper shoes. And uh, they always worked for me and made it through, you know, high school running, college, and my first several marathons on shoes from Bauman. So um, I can uh, I can personally attest that uh, it works. And uh, I know that, you know, running shoes have changed a lot, but essentially it's still just uh, people, uh, you know, one, one piece of equipment, the shoes, the most important, and then uh, the community that people have around them that uh, obviously helps a lot too, like the you know, the roadrunners clubs and the, the, the clubs that kind of help people get started and, and uh, improve. Um, and we're, um, we're definitely trying to do that in our little community here as well. So great. Um, yeah, well, great. Thanks. Thank you so much, Mark. I, I appreciate your time being, uh, taking a few minutes to be with us on the program and share about your, your 50th Boston experience. Um, any, uh, any next runs or any, any big ones that you're looking forward to coming up? Well, I personally, I have four streaks going. So those four races I, you know, do every year and then I may kick in one or two others. I just, you know, don't compete like I used to. Sure. What, what are the other, what are the other streaks you have going, Mark? Well, there's, um, a 4th of July race in the area and, Frankenmuth okay. that I've done every year. And uh, what we talked about earlier, the Crim Festival races, do that, and then the Detroit Free Press Marathon. Oh, yes. that By the way, that was my first marathon as well. A great great way to see Detroit and support the, the community there. Um, and run over a bridge and through a tunnel and go into Canada. Yeah, yeah. One international of the, marathon. International, that's right. One of the few that brag that, I think. Uh, right. International marathon. Um, uh, are there any, uh, unique kind of cultural runs? Uh, I know recently, um, you shared with me, you went to Hawaii and ran like every day for a few weeks. Um, would you recommend that as a good, uh, kind of travel exploring spot for runners? Oh yeah. It's a great place. A ton of runners there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I'll have to, I'll have to look more into that. I, I would love to do some travel running in Hawaii and, um, yeah, just to get to know it better uh, as, uh running community and uh, the culture there as well. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Well, well, thank you, Mark. I know you have a store to get back to, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure. And Trish Trout, welcome to the show. I am so impressed by all of your work for – for Team Freedom, for sure, which I've been a part of in the past, and also for Dana Farber, I've uh, recently found out. And just so you all know, uh, Trish may be humble during this interview, but she's raised like $26,000, $27,000 for charity in her running, and that can't help but make the world a better place. So we're grateful to have her and hear a little bit of her insight about the culture of running and uh, fundraising. So uh, welcome to the show, Trish. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here and, and happy to talk about running and, and how we can make it, you know, better for our communities. Oh, that's thank, thank you. Um, I know that, you know, charity running, I've seen a lot of charity running recently, especially in, you know, the bigger marathons and 
Um, you know, all I can say is I'm super impressed, and I think it brings a lot to um, all these races in the world of running. Can Can you tell us a little bit about how how you got started or what your story is as a runner? Sure. Um, back in 2011, 2012, um, I was introduced to an organization through the Joy FM called Team Freedom and uh, what is now Hope for Justice. And we, you know, raise money and bring awareness to human trafficking. So when I, I signed up to do the, the Disney Princess Half Marathon with Team Freedom, and that pretty much solidified, you know, why I was running and, um, you know, running for something that's much, much larger than myself, um, really made the training and, and the race itself mean a whole lot more. Um, cause it wasn't about me <laughs> and, uh, and bringing awareness to such a, a dark topic. Um, it was, it, it was just a very unique experience. And every year since then that, that team freedom has, um, taken part in, in a race, uh, you know, I very willingly join <laughs> and I get to talk about, you know, what human trafficking is and, and how it's in our communities. And, um, it just, it shed a light in, into the dark topic and, and I get to use running and running is one of my favorite things. So, um, you know, I've, I've learned to, to marry the two and, and it's just, it's really, it's good for me. And, and it allows people who wouldn't necessarily, run it it gives them an opportunity to try it and yeah. that's probably the one of my favorite things i've been able to see over these last several years that, that is pretty amazing i i'm grateful that you brought that up about you know being an empowering thing as a runner because um actually the last episode uh jeff galloway talked about how running can be a personal empowerment and kind of encourage people to do things that they normally wouldn't do and that's you know I, I think that's really true with charity running. Um, in fact, I, I, I don't know if it's true for you, but some of the people that have run, for example, run Boston, um, uh, as I know you have, may not have ever done Boston or been able to face that challenge had they not taken on, um, you know, such a such a project. What uh, what's your perspective on that, or who have you met? What kind of experiences have you? have you had while, while doing a, a marathon like Boston or one of these big races? So I love, I love the controversy that, that swirls around the Boston marathon and Boston qualifiers versus charity runners. And, you know, I have the utmost respect for the runners that have the ability and the dedication to qualify for Boston. Um, I would never want to discount that. That said, one of the things that makes the Boston Marathon unique and very powerful is the amount of money that is raised mm. uh, for various charities within Boston and the local communities in the state. So the more people become educated in why the Boston Athletic Association has charity bibs, I think the better off the running community will be. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I am one of those everyday runners that for various reasons 
I, I I won't qualify for Boston until I'm maybe 80 years old. <laughs> and that's, that's, we laugh about it, but it's, it's the truth. There's several different factors that, that weigh into that. However, because they do have the charity programs, more people are able to experience what the Boston marathon is. And they're doing something for someone else. I, so, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the first year I ran Boston was 2014. So it was the year after the bombing and Dana Farber cancer Institute at the time, it was their 25th year running the Boston marathon. And so they, and every year they, they get several hundred bibs hmm. and you do have to apply and you do have to commit to, you know, raising thousands of dollars. Um, in addition to paying for your registration for the marathon and the travel and the training and, and all of that. So, you know, I look at it, you have your Boston qualifiers and they're working their bodies, you know, and you know, they're, they're pushing towards their goal, but the charity runners, we're doing the same thing just in a different way. We're, we're raising money. We're, you know, supporting cancer research. We're supporting MS. We're supporting, uh, you know, melanoma. We're, we're supporting all of these different organizations. And I just wish people would see that while the activities may be different, the end result is the same. Mm. Um, you know, and we all run the same, we all run the same marathon. We're all on the same road. We're all on the same path. And I just think you know, it, it's beneficial for the community of Boston or New York or Chicago or any of these races that, that offer charity bibs. It's a win-win. And, you know, I like to say that, that running the Boston marathon is like, you know, the runner's Olympics, you know, (laughs) when you qualify or you get a PR or you just cross the finish line, that's like my Olympic gold medal. (laughs) I I bet. No. And who else other than a runner would, you know, not only put themselves through all that fundraising and all that effort, but also through the grueling, uh, you know, course of Boston just to, um, to do something good in the community. I, I, I like that perspective. That's a really unique and well-explained perspective. I, I had never thought about it quite that way. And, you know, it does parallel the work that they put in and really the, the effort that you put in uh, in order to be there and be part of that community. You know, I, I've, I, I can, I appreciate that. And, and it's interesting because when I ran in 2014, I think it was two days later, there was just this swarm of comments on some random Facebook page about, Oh, you charity runners took my husband's bib. Well, no, we didn't. If you knew the history of the Boston Athletic Association, they purposely have bibs for charities. And always and have, right? Yeah. That's a big misconception that, you know, you didn't get a spot because a charity runner did. And 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 that's why I talk about it. It's like until you're educated, <laughs> don't make, don't try to make someone feel bad, you know, for, for going the charity route, because at the end of the day, it, it's, it's done for, for good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's one of the big purposes of this podcast is to just talk about running culture from a, you know, from an unbiased perspective and learn all there is to know about it and share 
share our joys, share our sorrows, our experiences, but especially to share where we're coming from in terms of uh, what we've done and what we've seen in the running world. Uh, I, one, one thing I wanted to ask you about, I, by the way, I, I also, um, just after September 11th, I was fortunate enough, I was registered for the New York Marathon and did some fundraising just out of motivation. At that time, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't so hard to get in uh, in the, you know, the qualifying, that sort of thing. Um, but I also did some fundraising, and I have to tell you, that was the most meaningful um, marathon that I've done just because I, I felt like I was contributing to the community, and there were all of these people that were, you know, shifted into fundraising mode um, after September 11th, hoping to, to give back to New York in some way. So I, I definitely know where you're coming from there. And, and that's, that's the magic of the running community, I think. Uh, because, you know, runners, they, they value where they live, they value the big cities, and what better way to see a city than go for a run, right? Um, yes. And, and if, you can, if, if you can help build up that community, you know, that city, then goodness, why wouldn't everybody do it, you Definitely. know? <laughs> Yeah, well, and along that vein, Trish, if, if you wouldn't mind, I one another question that um, I've asked all the guests so far is um, if you had to choose uh, a run that you've done or that you come back to that displays the culture and the people of the city where you're running, uh, you know, one or two, uh, as many as you would like to share, um, what what would that be for you uh, if you've you know thought about it or want to go back there? Something you would give to to listeners to say this this is a really good cultural experience doing this run or this race. Wow, <laughs> that is a tough question. Um, my heart will always be with Boston and the Boston Marathon. Okay. Um, so let me answer this a couple of different ways. Um, in Boston, it is a true celebration of the athletes. Hmm. Um, it, from the time you get into Boston, whether you're flying or driving, everything is revolving around the marathon the entire weekend. And the energy is just unbelievable. Now, I have done New York and Chicago, and they're all three of those all three of those marathons and those cities are drastically different. Um, and I appreciate each one. Um, you know, please don't, don't get me wrong, but I just, I feel like the energy from the people, the reason that they're out there cheering, the amount of charity runners that are in that race is, is unlike anything that I have experienced. So if we look at the, at the big races that I've done, I'm, I'm going to say, and I, I did say to a friend of, or uh, some friends of mine, actually two days ago, I said, if you guys will run it, I said, I will run it again, but I need a couple years. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so I, 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 w- I uh, this is going to be recorded forever. And, and now I'm going to say, yeah, I'll run Boston again. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so sure you'll I'm have the back. opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> you will. I have the opportunity and the legs still work, but um I have some other goals in mind um, before I head back to Boston. Um, but on a local level, 
Um, I was introduced to a pretty fair, well, fairly new race called the Nun Run, okay, um, which is a, a fundraiser for a, a local Catholic school. And let me tell you, this was the second year, and I absolutely love the event. Huh. It it's so fun. The school, the parents, everybody gets so involved in it, and it's a fun race. It's it's on the 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 school complex you're running through the woods you're running around the animals and around a lake and it's just it's so fun and it's i i just i hope that it continues to grow because it's it's a family friendly event it's at a beautiful setting and it's just it's a lot of fun and everybody wants to see a nun run in their habits and <laughs> it's just it's a unique to the area and and i i will always recommend that race that's great. And just to clarify, Trish, that's in Tampa, Florida. Is that? Yes, uh... Tampa. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No, great. Yep. Um, yep. So I, I too agree with you. Uh, I loved Chicago and, and New York. I've, I've only, only cheered at Boston, but um, the, those were, and, and Detroit as well, um, closer to my hometown in Michigan. Um, those were all really inspiring for me to see all the people out there and how much work and how much of their life, their soul, they put into getting ready for that marathon. And uh, it's such a beautiful day um, running through the neighborhoods of Chicago and Detroit and, and the boroughs of New York, um, something you can chalk up as a cultural experience. And I, I know that um, different people have different uh, perspectives on it, but um, I think yours is probably one of the best in pointing out, you know, people out there cheering really bring the, the spirit of the community to you as you, as you run. And, and it's contagious. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, I would like to see if someone could point out someone, you know, along a, a race, you know, route and someone just standing there looking miserable as runners <laughs> go by. I, I don't think that happens. <laughs> and they're there for hours, right? I mean, especially in a marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so depending depending where they're standing, but it could be for hours. Exactly. And depending on who they're supporting in the race. <laughs> right. That too. <laughs> have people stand for a long time. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know that I shared this with you, Trish, but our kind of the co-guest um, for the Boston, focusing on Boston is Mark Bauman. And he's doing his, he just finished his 50th uh, Boston. Oh. And he's, uh, yeah, it's pretty neat to, to see that and to hear all of his stories from, how that went and how it's progressed over the years. So that's amazing. <laughs> I, well, I, and as as are you amazing, but I, I look forward to sharing that with you as well, so you can uh, yeah. get his take on it. Absolutely, yeah. I'll probably learn a few things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I can't thank you enough, Trish, for telling us, um, you know, giving us your perspective, and I I would maybe one last question for you. Um, looking forward, um, future charities, are you going to continue doing Team Freedom? Which, which runs are you planning to do for next season? So Team Freedom, uh -huh. that's an absolute. Um, I, will, I, I will run every time we organize it. Um, that's, that's a no-brainer. Um, I do, when I'm choosing you know, local races, um, or, you know, semi-local, I, I will nine times out of 10 choose a race that is for a charity or, you know, an organization. I think it's real important, um, you know, 
even though I'm not necessarily fundraising, I am giving to someone sure. or to something. And, uh, you know, I just, th that's me. <laughs> and I encourage other people to, you know, if you're not a runner, well, if, if you run for something other than yourself, it might be a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So I always try to bring, you know, some new people in with me when I, when I sign up for a race. Um, but as far as on a larger scale, my next race, my next marathon actually is the Berlin marathon in September. Oh, wow. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I, I decided if I got in, I would go for that, you know, work my way towards that world marathon majors, six star medal. So <laughs> I have three, <laughs> I'm going to get my fourth and then I've got the two hardest ones left. So there you go. That that's a great time of year to be there too. I, I I've been in Berlin uh, as well in the past, and that's that's a great time to run. And the community is really, really great there. I I wish yeah. you luck, and um, I I hope maybe afterwards you can come back on and tell us what you thought of it and share your impressions. Absolutely, and I'm doing that one just as a runner. I'm not a charity runner for that one, so Yet. I have a completely different perspective. <laughs> right? Yet is the key word. You never know what, what'll pop yeah. up between now and then. That's uh, true. Very true. Well, th thank you again, Trish. And once again, um, you know, if, if our listeners would like to know more about either of those charities, I'll be posting a, a link on our Facebook page, and you can learn more about how to do some charity running for some of these larger races or smaller races. Um, that are more in your community. And um, Trish, if there's anything else you would like to share or post, um, please uh, get that to me and I'll, I'll put that on as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. <laughs> You're very welcome. And thanks to all of you for sticking with us through the Boston Marathon special. We are very pumped to have with us next week Bob Shea, writer and musical therapist, who's uh, pretty recently started in the running genre, but he has done a pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago, and he's going to talk to us about running as an inward journey, running as a pilgrim, moving from one place to another with intention. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about his experience as well on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, as well as around Iceland and the Reykjavik area, and give us his tips and his advice as a travel adventurer and as a spiritual side of running. And last but not least, I want to encourage everybody to join us on the Facebook page at Running Anthropologist, where you can share your impressions or your favorite cultural runs. You can take joy and share in the joy of others in running, as well as see all the great links from today's uh, guests, Mark Bauman and Trish Trout, and everything that we talked about. Last but not least, you can leave a voice message for us on Audacity or post pictures on Instagram at Running Anthropologist, hashtag Running Anthropologist, all one word. Same with the Facebook page. Until then, have a wonderful week and happy running.